0: Happy Mother's Day! I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the house. God bless you in all our campuses and uh, East County, North County, uh, San Marcos, uh, City Heights, San Jose, here in Point Loma. Uh, uh, let's give all the mothers and all the mothers in the military watching. Let's give all a big hand. God bless y'all. And I want to say a Happy Mother's Day to my mom. God bless you. Can we all just give my mom a big hand? God bless you. God bless you, mom. And uh, also my wife, she's not my mom, but she's a mom. But uh, I want to give, give, thank you for being a great mom. my Amen. And there's so many moms in my life. But uh, And I want to also greet uh, all the guys in Donovan State Prison and all the kids in Juvenile Hall. We did an event in Donovan State Prison Thursday. I believe it was Thursday. I can't remember this week, and It was awesome. We got to walk around and spend a few hours with those guys. Like hundreds of guys got saved. So it was great. And also, amen, amen. And, we have an uh, a, a amazing message today uh, by Bianca Altov. She's going to fire you up. She used to work for A21 with Christine Kane and, and, and save kids from human trafficking. Now she's doing her own ministry, going into prisons. Um, but before we get to her, we have three weeks starting today, today, next two weeks with women issues. I'm going to be teaching next week on Mary and Martha. Then we have another women-focused uh, message two weeks from now, and then we're going to have three weeks on guys. And so it starts on Mother's Day and ends on Father's Day. And so these next six weeks can be mother, uh, guys, and and girls and guys. Yeah, girls and guys. <laughs> And so I'm just so jacked up. So I want all of us to, if you could stand and give a warm rock welcome to Bianca Altoff for coming out here and giving her the word. Amen. Come on, let's give her a big hand. Come on now.
1: Yes. Good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you so much. Y'all can be seated. Man, good morning. Happy Mother's Day to those watching online or at our five campuses. We hoot and holler, say we love you. Happy Mother's Day. Um, let me tell you something. I am so pumped to be here and let me tell you why. Uh, I remember being 10 years old and listening to Pastor Miles when he was uh, teaching at another church in San Diego area and I remember listening to him and being so inspired at a very young age at like the simplicity and yet the depth of the words that he was communicating. And now to come back and to be invited by Pastor Miles and the pastoral team in the church to impart some soul food today is an honor. So, yes, we are honoring mothers, but I want to honor Pastor Miles and the pastoral team for being so generous and gracious and teaching a generation on how to lead well. But let me tell you, I was also super, like, nervous because I have been sick for the last two weeks. I mean, who gets sick for two weeks? I'm talking sneezing, runny nose, watery eyes, coughing. A Nike will commercial could not do me justice. I lost my voice, like I'm Mexican, Mexican and Puerto Rican. Okay, we don't lose our voice. Like our natural volume is yelling. Okay, I, my voice was gone, and then I started to, like I started to get really like worried. I was like, Oh Jesus, please, please, God, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, all the Jehovahs, like just touch me, you know. And then I started realizing, like, why are you being a baby about this? You need to stand up and get hood with the enemy. You need to be gangster. You need to throw some swag up there. You need to be like, come at me. I see you. I see you. are trying to get me. I know I got to be at the rock. I got to impart God's word. You're not going to get me. Catch me outside. How about that, Satan? That's a, I, just, I started to quote scripture. I was like, nah, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And you want to know something, I I received this kind of chutzpah, this swag, this like cojones type of attitude because of some amazing characters that we see through the scope of scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, male and female, some amazing people that God had used. Now, um, in light of Mother's Day, I do want to highlight a few of our uh, spiritual mothers in in, in the Word of God. Um, Sarah, when she was told how she was going to play a a role in God's uh, ordination of bringing a Savior to mankind, she laughed. (laughs) Ha 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 you got jokes you got jokes yeah yeah i'm too old you got jokes or what about ruth she was a pagan a pagan moabitess she was barren she's like a vegas showgirl who couldn't get pregnant and god uses her to be in the lineage of jesus christ you know got some great women great women right what about rahab rahab was like a righteous liar she smuggled illegal immigrants out of her country and she's like I, a little old me i don't know You know what I'm saying? But you know what I love? Not only in the scriptures, but here at this church, no one preaches that you've got to be pretty, perfect, and polished, or women, if your thighs don't touch, to be used by God, okay? God is looking to and fro to see who he can use. Now, but there is one character. There is one character, and my favorite character at the moment. She is both powerful and prophetic. She is strong and she is sensitive. She uh, responded to the call of God upon her life and she reclaimed what was entitled to the children of Israel. Now, there are characters in the Bible, uh, beautiful characters, amazing characters that teach us how to be kind, that teach us how to lead, that teach us how to hear the voice of God. But what I love about this one character is that she encompasses all of the attributes in one. And she's a woman. Okay, I got one Pentecostal, amen. Listen, I don't know how you came to church. Maybe it's your first time here and you're like, I heard about this church called The Rock. Listen, you didn't come to church. You came to church today, all right? So you, can, you can holler back. You can say amen. You can say glory, hallelujah. You can say come on somebody. I really don't care. You can say, yes, Lord, that word is for me. Or you can say, yes, Lord, that word is totally for my husband. I've been there, okay? I've been there. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, babe? That was totally God. That was so for you, right? Here's the thing when we verbalize externally what God is doing internally, it also cultivates an atmosphere of faith. God, what are you saying? And I want to testify that there is a word, whoever is on platform, whoever is on stage, whoever is communicating, it's not them, but it's what God is doing through them. So I say, yes, Lord. I say, come on. I say, amen. So be it. Amen? Great. So I want to highlight the humanity of man. Man as in humanity, not as in gender. I want to highlight the humanity of man and the good gracious, graciousness of God who is looking to and fro to see who is going to respond to the call of God upon their life. And as we go through this message, yes, it is Mother's Day, and yes, we are going to celebrate and highlight women. But this is one thing. I am not a Feminazi. I shave my armpits. I love my husband, and I am so glad that he leads because I can't balance a, a, a budget to save my life, okay? Max, sorry, kid. Okay, so... um. What I want to do is take a look at a biblical narrative and appropriate how God wants to speak to us now, 21st century, 2017, at any of the campuses, online or in here. See, this is my claim, and this is what I proffer to you this morning. Second Chronicles 16:9 says, The eyes of the Lord wander to and fro to see whose hearts are loyal to him, to show himself strong. Will you respond? Will you, my dear friend, rise to the call of leadership upon your life? Here's the thing. Researchers coming out of Berkeley, uh, Berkeley University up in Northern California, is saying this. 87% of people want a leader in their life. But only 20% consider themselves to be a leader at some point, And 8% of the 20% believe that they are, are a leader. So in a world that is dying for strong people to rise, to make ways where there are new ways, to tread on paths where there currently are not pathways, the invitation is for you to be a leader. And you're sitting here thinking like, leader, Psh, I'm not a leader. I am just a student. I'm just a secretary. I am just a mom. I am just, no, you know what you just are? You are just a child of God. And he is calling you, dear friends, to lead. So whether you lead one, 100, 1,000, or 1 million, lead well. Because as Christians, we are called to lead people to Christ. Let's lead. I want you to turn with me to Judges chapter 4. I know that this is a Bible teaching church. And so if you brought your Bible, I want you to lift it up and say word. Like you got some flavor. Word. Yes. Some of your pages light up. Mine do too. No judgment. I love that. If you brought your Bible, or if it's your first time here and you didn't bring your Bible, this is what I have for you. I have a blessing upon you, Bible scholar. I pray that you are always on time. I pray that if you're married, your spouse loves you and doesn't have halitosis from Hades. If you're single, I pray that your pockets jingle. I pray that your car is cleaned and you have gas. I pray that your refrigerator is full and that your bank account is enormous. And for those that didn't bring their Bible to the house of God, you don't get a blessing until the very end. Okay. So for those heathens, I put the scriptures on the screen. Amen. All right. Listen, you don't go to chemistry class without your chemistry book. You don't go to grocery market without your wallet. You don't get your car without your keys. So you don't come to church without your Bible. All right. There's no judgment in church. Maybe just a little. All right. Turn with me to Judges chapter four. We're going to start off in verse four. Now, Deborah, A prophet and the wife of Lapidoth was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided." Now, we could read this and not think twice about Deborah. But let me tell you something. Deborah is one amazing woman. She is Master Blaster from Lancaster, okay? What we see is that this is a tall order to have this authority and this power in 2017. So you can imagine the impact that it had so many years ago. Now, Keep this in mind. It's a patriarchal society, meaning that women did not have intellectual rights. They were not educated. Uh, They had no um, land acquisition. They couldn't inherit land unless they had children. Um, Many cases, women were uh, uh, relegated to only certain things in the household. Many of them didn't have a voice. Many of them were even mistreated. So the fact that Deborah was a judge says so much. I mean, she's beyond Judge Judy, friends. I mean, she is like on the Supreme Court, okay? And not only is she a judge, scripture says that she's a prophet. Now, she's a prophetess, which is a female prophet, um, and basically someone who hears the voice of the Holy Spirit has been given divine prophetic ability to utter out what the Lord is saying, a mouthpiece. So think of her as like the political prowess of Condoleezza Rice and Hillary Clinton. She has the, the beautiful prose of Beth Moore and the prophetic insight, prophetic power of Joan of Arc. Now, no other judge in the entire book of Judges, this Old Testament book, in the entire book of Judges, does someone bear the title of judge and prophet. Ooh. Some of y'all are not with me yet. It's okay. Were you homeschooled? I was too. There's lots of grace. Okay, not only that, there are only two other people in the entire Old Testament that bear the title of prophet and judge. And you know who they are? Samuel and Moses. She is in some high company. We cannot get it get around it. This woman is an incredible leader. She held the office of two offices. Now, Scripture tells us that she was married. She was married to a man named Lapidoth. But other than this inference of Lapidoth, there's no other context about who this man is. Side note, Bible geeks. We're going to geek out for a second. Listen, usually if a woman is listed, she's listed simply to identify who the male counterpart is and what the male counterpart does. The only thing we hear about Lapidoth is that Deborah was married to him. Now, Bible scholars, knowing what we know about a patronistic patriarchal society, I was homeschooled. What we know about a patriarchal society is that women were not educated, women did not have influence, women did not have rights, and if they had rights, it's through their husband, but there's no major reference to him other than Deborah being the one who identified who he was, but there is a missing chunk here. Where are her children? You know what's fascinating, fascinating? Usually children are always listed. What's fascinating is maybe she couldn't have children. I don't know, maybe she didn't want children. Either way, what we see here, that wasn't funny. Someone laughed over here. That wasn't funny, but we're going to pray for your children. Okay, so what we see here is that there's no mention of of children as in like that is her right, her, her legacy, that is her connection. As we go through the text, I want us to pay careful attention to the nuances of each of these characters in this narrative. Because I believe that this story will challenge our assumption about who and what we can be. What you were born into does not determine what is in you. Okay, I'm going to say that again. What Your history does not predetermine your destiny. What you are born into doesn't determine what is in you because Deborah had to overcome things. Many times in her life, we could safely infer as a woman of of strength, a woman of influence, a woman of power. Many times people would have been like, Deborah, you you can't. Deborah, you shouldn't. Deborah, you won't. And yet she did, friends. She did. So I firmly believe that when we lead, when we step up, there's going to be barriers in our life that we have to overcome, much like Deborah. We need to stop seeing things for what we are not and start seeing God for who He is. It's not about you, friends, it's about the God that you serve. Now, in Judges 1-4, through 4, we don't have a whole lot of time to unpack this, but let me give you like a really quick synopsis. In Judges uh, 4, verses 1-3, through 3, there was a, a judge, and his name was Ehud. He was a good judge, and he led God's people. But when Ehud kicked the bucket, God's people ran amok. Girls Gone Wild, TMZ, Jerry Springer, the whole nine, right? Like, it's like, ooh, ooh, they're having like the time of their lives. Well, when they departed the ways of the Lord and did not listen to the judges, they ran amok. The Canaanite army rose up and oppressed them. Now, uh, Jabin is the king, but the real oppressor of the Israelite people is a man named Sisera. Sisera led the army. It was the largest army during that time, and he retrofitted men for battle. So now I want to pick up in verse 3. It says this. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now, we could read 900 chariots and we're just like, yeah, yeah, bro, whatever, I'm hungry, we got family brunch. Okay, hold on. I understand that maybe you think the Bible is boring, but let me just kind of add some flavor, some sabor into the word of God, okay? I don't know how you read your Bible, but I grew up being raised by a Puerto Rican grandmother. We would watch soap operas as children. Now, for those that you know, were raised watching Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, Young and Restless, like bless your heart. But we watch novelas, which if you know anything about soap operas and American soap opera is like, but John, I love you so much. Please don't leave. Because they're normal. But in a novella, somebody with a really tight dress and eyelashes so long, they blink, and you feel the wind behind the screen comes out, and she's like, Pero Juanito no se va mi amor, te quiero mucho. And then somebody comes out, pulls out a gun, shoots Juanito. You figure out Juanito's her baby daddy, and you're like, Oh my God! I wanna read the Bible like a novella. Because there's mystery and intrigue and incest. And a man named Jesus died a horrific death after a sinless life. And he said to tell his die, it is finished. Not I am finished. It is finished. And rose back from the grave. And we read this like it's historical. Bump that trash. Get into God's word. Uh-uh. Nine 900 chariots. Thank you, sister. Persian men with hair on their chest. Hair on their arms, hair on their knuckles, because you know, Middle Eastern men, you know. Like, they're going to battle, right? 900 chariots. Now, let's add to the drama. Let's add to the drama. Don't turn there. Don't turn there. Let me read this. In, 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 in 1 Samuel... Um, Chapter 13, verses 19 through 20, we are told that the Philistine army had cruelly oppressed the Israelites. There is this cycle of oppression, oppression, victory, oppression, whatever. Stay with Jesus, you find victory. Listen, they were cruelly oppressed by the Philistines. The Philistines removed their silver and killed off their blacksmith. We are told in Judges 5, spoiler alert, that within the army there was not a shield or a spear. Now let's add to the drama. They are going up against an army of 40,000 men with 900 chariots. They're retrofitted for battle. And the Israelites are like, oh, we got God. (laughs) Look at the end of verse 3. They cried to the Lord for help. Jeremiah 33 says, call to me and I will answer you. And he does, friends, he does. Look at this. We know in verse four that Deborah was a judge. Now she did not go out on a feminazi campaign like vote for me, women's live, Deborah for judge. No, we were told in Judges 2.18 that it is the Lord who chooses the judge. It says this, whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he delivered them from the hand of the enemies. As the Lord lifted up Deborah, I believe that there's a call for us to rise. Stop being a wound licker. Stop saying, well, they did this to me. They're so mean. Cats are moody. Don't be a cat, okay? Don't be weird. Like, yes, there's trauma and there's pain, but our God delivers and he can rescue and we're with you when you mourn. But high time, brother. High time, sister. That's a thing of the past and our God is focused on your future. He is looking to and fro to see whose heart is loyal to him to show himself strong. Look at verse 6. She sent for Barak, son of Abinom of Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali, Zebulun, lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead, sister, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots, his troops to the Gishon River, and give him into your hands. I don't talk fast, you listen slow. Okay. We got a lot of text to get through, friends. Now, in the original Hebrew context, there's two rhetorical questions. We will read the second rhetorical question, but the original phraseology of the Hebrew is she is saying, didn't the Lord tell you to go to battle? You know what you're supposed to do. Deborah is is calling him out and giving him a battle plan. I want to be very careful that we don't demonize or berate or shame him, because how many times has God called us to do certain things? And we just feel, I, that's not for me. I can't do that. I'm not educated. I don't have the wherewithal. I'm not married. I'm married. I don't have kids. I have kids. We all have excuses. We see um, just a few chapters later that there's a man named Gideon who asks God, God, I'll go if you give me a sign. God gives him a sign. God, I'll go if you give me another sign. God gives him another sign. God will give you a sign, but give me another sign. God gives him another sign. What about signs? Moses had a burning bush talk to him and still didn't believe it. Jeremiah, the prophet, said, I'm too young. And here we have Barak who's going up against, uh, the ratio is four to one in battle. These characters are not far from us today, friends. I don't want to read this as it's something of the past. When we talk about the 900 chariots that are opp- that are oppressing the Israelites, do not think that I have forgotten that some of us in here our are or were oppressed, oppressed, depressed by whoever had, sister, Jabin, debt collectors, ex-husband, current wife, whatever, where you are saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm broke, I'm not supposed to be broke. I'm bankrupt, I'm not supposed to be bankrupt. I'm divorced, I'm not supposed to be divorced. I cheated on my husband, I wasn't supposed to cheat on my husband. I was supposed to have my kids, I don't have kids. How many of us feel like we are oppressed, oppressed, and depressed by some oppressor's hand that we don't even know or see? This is not far from us. But they cried to the Lord, and he heard them. We see that there are men who have to make decisions every day at work, with job, with finances. That there's women that have to raise children or work in a corporate office, in the CEO boardroom or in the university, wherever you are at. We should not castigate, berate, or shame people because of their indecision. What we see here is this beautiful dialogue, a narrative between grace and truth between a man and a woman. Now, look at verse 8. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, she said. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Hey! So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, some theologians say that God only used a woman because no one else was available. hold up, wait a minute. So you're going to tell me that the God of the universe who created the heavens and the earth, who parted the sea, the Red Sea, and had people walk on dry ground, who provided manna in the desert and quail to hang out at the feet of people, you're going to tell me that the God who sent his son Jesus, who resurrected him from the dead, is too weak or unable or doesn't care about raising up a man Mm, I beg to differ. What I see here, time and time again, is that you don't need to be a certain gender to respond to the call of God upon your life, period, the end. So if you're a note taker, you could clap for that. If you're a note taker, here's point number one for my challenging call for mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and sinners and saints. Number one, leaders speak grace and truth. In this portion of scripture, we see the indecision of Barak contrasted with the confidence of Deborah. And she reminds him, you have got to go to battle. But because you are not going to go, you don't trust that God's word is true unless I'm there. This is not going to be given. You're not going to get the credit, the glory. Now, she tells him the truth, but she does it in love side note when dealing with our fathers brothers husbands sons coworkers as women message to women we've got to be very ego very careful with the male ego it's fragile there is life and death in the tongue we could tear up or we could we could build up or we could tear down who are you going to be my prayer and this is a big prayer because sometimes i need a muzzle for my life right this is my big prayer God, I want to be like Deborah when it comes to treating my husband with truth and grace. I want to be this type of stepmom for Parker and Ryan. I don't want to just tell people certain things. I want to be that person. She was the kind of leader that inspired confidence and empowered people to fulfill their calling and destiny. Napoleon Bonaparte says, a leader is a dealer in hope. And I believe that Barack was borrowing hope from Deborah in that moment. Number two. Leaders trust in something bigger than themselves. It's one thing to say, God will deliver you. He's making a way, streams in the desert. He's going to find you that man. It's an entirely other thing to say, you're in a financial bind. Let me seed some money into your life. Let me sow into your life so that you could pay that bill. Oh, you don't have a husband? I literally did this with a friend just last week. I was in Vacaville, and I'm tired of all these amazing, single, godly people being in the church. Listen to me. Serve the house, find a spouse. amen okay so all right and someone's like but you don't understand he's so hot so is hell if he doesn't love Jesus (laughs) run away run bye tell him boy bye okay like no you don't need that you don't need that all right it's free therapy right there all right you're welcome I forgot what I was saying okay (laughs) scripture scripture oh yes yes okay it's one thing to say I'm gonna be with you I had a friend, she's been single for a minute, and then I realized, why are we relying on E harmony? B harmony is what I need to do. I hopped on Instagram stories, and I was like, here's my friend, she's amazing, she's in graduate school, she's a therapist, she's normal, she doesn't have cats, and she's debt-free. She's available, hit her up on Instagram. Because that's what the people of God do. We don't just run our mouth, mock, 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 mock saying all the things that we're gonna do and how good a God is, why don't you be his hands and his feet to actually outwork this? We trust in something bigger than ourselves, in verses 10 through 13, we see that Barak rounded up his 10,000 men and they go to, to, go to battle. And, and Sisera rounded up his 40,000 men and 900 chariots and they go to battle. And we pick this up in verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, go. This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Rhetorical question. So Barak went to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Ooh. Ooh. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Haroshesh Hagioim, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazar, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Just as God promised, God did. I believe that when God gives his people a promise, either individually or corporately, there is nothing to thwart that promise. So when God says victory is yours, guess what? Victory is ours. We don't have to walk shackled to addiction or shame or pornography or any of that stuff because our God is a God who frees us. Our God is a God who fights with us. Our God is a God who delivers us. So we don't have to be like, oh, where's my God? Where is my God? He has given you authority over the prince of Palades and the darkness of of the earth well, the bible tells us that that we have an enemy we have to know our enemy it's not Jabin. it's not sisera the enemy that we go up against is referred to as the father of lies see satan knows your name but calls you by your sin god knows your sin and calls you by your name who are you listening to what are you holding on to can you hold on to the truth of god's word Child of God, freedom is yours. Verse 18, Jael went out to meet Sister and said to him, come my Lord, come right in, don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said, give me some water. I just ran, I'm so afraid. That's the BIV, Bianca International Version. Okay. Um, she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand by the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and hammer and went to town and went quietly to him, while he lay fast asleep, exhausted, she drove the peg through his temple into the ground and died. Okay, this girl went 5150. Theologians are like, she is crazy. What happened there? You know, don't mess with the girl, okay? Cause she can go crazy. In my mind, here's this girl. She's just like, um, oh, maybe she got a little hood, maybe she got some hoop earring, she got a do-rag. She's like, Oh, what? Well, you can come to my house. You're going to come out my house. You're going to oppress God's people. And now you're going to try to come into my house. Listen, you could take the girl out the hood, but you can't take the hood out the girl. Because let me tell you something. Someone mess with me, my husband, my kids, or the children of God. I love Jesus, but I will cut you. Okay? So we see. We don't know why, but she went a little crazy. All right? Sister, you mess with the wrong chick. All right. Point number three. Leaders look different. Leaders look different. Who was a hero of this passage? All of them. Deborah heard the voice of God. Barack enacted upon the voice of God. But Jael sealed the deal. What is very incredibly fascinating him is that I would have thought when Deborah prophesied that the battle was going to go to a woman. She is like a corporate CEO who wears leather chaps and drives a Harley. She went to Harvard. She speaks three languages. I mean, she is bad. All right. It didn't go to her. Barack, leader of the commander of the army, he's not a pansy. He's won multiple battles. There's men that report to him every single day. He is in charge. He didn't win the battle. You know who ended the battle? A stay at home mom. Yep. You know what? Like my daddy says, whether you work in the White House or whether you have work in the warehouse, God has a plan for you. That's my life. I have every reason to be in the category highest prone to failure that statisticians would put me in. Obese, first generation, couldn't rewrite or spell at the age of 11. Living in the hood, unaware of God's purpose and plan and destiny. But you make a promise to God and you take his word seriously. I am a living testament of a living God who loves you and claims freedom. Victory is yours. Victory is yours. (laughs) I have to. I get to. I want to. I must tell you. Victory is ours. Last point. Leaders must be willing as we close uh, there 's two verses that we see in Joshua I mean, in uh, Judges chapter five. Now this song, this poem was written by Deborah and Barak in judges five verses two, and in verses nine, let me read them to us, and the scriptures are on the screen. When the princes of Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves praise the Lord, my, my heart in verse nine is with israel 's princess the With the willing volunteers, willing volunteers, willing volunteers among the people, praise the Lord. Are you willing? Friends, are you willing? Can you trust who God is? And maybe you were brought here by a friend. Maybe your mom asked you to be here. Maybe you stumbled in, have hung over, guess what, welcome to the house of God. Let me tell you why you could trust our good God. There is no problem that he cannot solve. There is no promise that he cannot fulfill. There is no prayer that he cannot answer. There's no disease that he cannot heal. There's no heart that he cannot mend. There's no relationship that he cannot restore. There's no person that he cannot save. There's no chaos that he cannot bring peace. There is no pain that he cannot redeem. There's no sin that he cannot forgive. There's no bondage that he cannot break. There's no need that he cannot meet. There's no enemy that he cannot meet, and there is no mountain that my God cannot move. And so you came here to church today for a word from God, and I'm here to tell you that victory is yours. Stop acting like you don't have it. My God, who is more than more than enough, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask, think, hope, or imagine, to him be the glory. Are you willing? Are you willing? I'm going to ask you to do something. That's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. We're going to have a moment. I'm going to pray over us. There's going to be a group of people that are going to respond to the call of salvation upon your life, and we celebrate you. There's going to be a group of people that are going to shake it off, shake off them haters, shake off the lies, shake off the labels, shake off the, 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 the aptitude and lethargy. Are you willing to take a step to victory? I'm going to pray over us. God, most high, we come before you. And we say, use us. We say we want to be Barack's, We want to be Deborah's. We want to be Jael's. Most of all, we want to be like Jesus. For those that need salvation, need to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that you move in their hearts that you massage their minds, let them feel the very tangible presence of you right now. For those that need to just be the man that God has called them to be in their workplace, in their relationships, in their home, may they rise and take that step towards victory. For the women who are just in the just category, I'm just this, I'm just that, may they rise and know that they are more than more than enough. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.